you will please stand with me. We will be reading from this letter that include the last words of the Apostle Paul that should communicate to you his urgency. And our passage this morning, you should know, is confrontational. Paul, like Moses, is contrasting faithful ministers of God's Word with the chorus who still are in the house of God. And so he's saying these things to a church, and inside the church there are chorus. He is confronting them, and I think he's also going to encourage us with this word that is very serious. We'll read the whole passage, 2 Timothy 2, starting in verse 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. And here's the center of the book. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self 
lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jan and Jambers opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far. For their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You may be seated. Here is the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord tells us that blessed are those who keep his testimonies. Blessed are those who seek the Lord with their whole heart. Those who fix their eyes on these commandments. Those are the ones who will not be put to shame. And what we've just heard is that the God in heaven, God who lives in heaven, has a second permanent address. He has a home on earth. The holy God lives among the believers that are stretched across this whole world. It's a great house of the Lord. And Paul brings us inside that house, the the church of God. And he brings us inside that house to a cabinet inside that house. And inside that cabinet are two kinds of vessels. There is on one side the gold and silver vessels, and on the other side there is wood and clay vessels. The gold and silver uh, uh, vessels are, are those China pieces, the the precious China of God that He reaches out and He will use for His glorious events. And then the wood and the clay vessels inside the Lord's house are used for dishonorable works. These are the the pots that that might carry out dirty bathwater. These are the pots that might receive human waste. These are dishonorable works. Vessels And the vessels in the house are the leaders in the church. 
we're starting a series through a pastoral epistle. That's what 2 Timothy is called, along with 1 Timothy and Titus, written by an apostle to a pastor. If you're not a pastor, you might be wondering, what is this series going to have to do with my life of working at a desk, my life of raising toddlers, my life of caring for sick loved ones? You should know that this book that is written from an apostle to a pastor is also written to the whole church of Ephesus. We know that because the very last word of the letter, chapter 4, verse 22, is y'all. last word is y'all. I'm writing to y'all. Grace be with y'all. He is not just sending this to Timothy's house. He's sending it to the whole church, and he wants the whole church to hear what he says about leaders in the church. Because leaders in the church greatly impact every person in the church. I believe that that will affect your everyday life. Now, as I hear about the church being the home of God, I'm, I'm reflecting, about, reflecting about this church and, and how I see and am so encouraged by the way that God is fitting you. The way that, the way that Ephesians chapter 2, where it, Paul uses this imagery of the church as a house, it says that the Spirit is fitting the saints, to be a holy dwelling with the holy God. God is fitting you that that it is appropriate for this God to live with the members of this church. And yet this letter is confronting some problems in the church. And I want us to be aware of certain, certain lies in the house of the Lord. These lies are things in Graham Christianity that we live with. We breathe it in. And so we don't need to presume like Korah. This cannot affect me. I'm really encouraged that this is not described Graham Bible Church, but I want to warn us about privatized Christianity. There is this notion in the Bible Belt, that salvation is all about the individual and only about the individual. We're so preoccupied with our individual relationship with the Lord and we should be concerned about that. We're so preoccupied that we may not even hear 2 Timothy, which says that our relationship with the church and our relationship with leaders in the church greatly affects and reveals the real truth about our relationship with the Lord. I'm concerned, perhaps even most of all, about discernment. As I labor in this context, burdened by what has occurred over so many years of a lack of biblical preaching, that has created a kind of church, generally, generally a kind of church in the Bible Belt that lacks discernment. The New Testament is so full of warnings about falling away. And you just have to walk into a Christian bookstore and see the bestseller wall and know that we have a desperate need for discernment. The background to 2 Timothy is number 16. 
what happened in Korah's rebellion. God, Paul is saying, this is the Lord's house and I'm so burdened when, before I die, before I face the sword for the Lord's house. And so I'm remembering the people who served in the Lord's house in the tabernacle, Korah, and how they presumed. Moses, who do you think you are? Thinking that you are holy, we are all holy. The Lord is among every one of us. Look at all these 250 respected chosen people who are with me. Moses, the one who's really speaking God's word, says to Korah, was it too small a thing that you actually got to serve in the tabernacle that you have to find yourself this new position? And then he talks to the congregation and he says, depart from them. Separate yourself from them. Flee from them. And did you hear those words in our passage? Avoid them. Separate yourself from them. Cleanse yourself from them. Flee from them. Did you hear Paul's warning to Christians? If you don't, you will be ruined. If you don't, your faith will be crumbled. If you don't, Satan will catch you in a snare. If you don't, you will have the appearance of godliness, but you will have no power of godliness. You will be an imposter. These are the words of Paul to the people in the church. And then there's good news. The gospel truth that this ultimately teaches us is that the Lord uses pure servants like Timothy and the faithful men he trains and then passes on he, the truth. The Lord uses pure servants to protect his people. That's what you want. The Lord uses pure servants to protect his people. If you look in verse 21, there's a reference to the master of the house picking up vessels in his cabinet and doing good works with them on the people of God. And you want God to be doing good works in you, and therefore you have to have a kind of relationship with His leaders. Three commands. And the first one is separate yourself from irreverent counsel. Chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. Separate yourself from irreverent counsel. If you look at just at the end of that little section, verses 18 and 19, God, uh, Paul is using the, the imagery from Korah and he says, your faith in Jesus will be set upon a firm foundation or it will be set upon an upset foundation. An unsettled foundation. And all of that depends on the quality of the counsel or the teaching that we listen to. Korah said, we're all holy. The Lord is among all of us. Moses, you shouldn't have the microphone. God answered Korah and he said, Korah and your company And Moses and Aaron, present yourselves to me. And in the morning, I will show you who is mine. 
the Lord knows who are His. And He shows those who are His. And the way that He showed who was His was He split apart the earth and swallowed up Korah. He upset the foundation of the earth. And there is a kind of faith that listens to a certain kind of teacher in Christian churches whose faith will be upset and the ground will open up and their faith will fall into shale. Verse 14. Remind the teachers, Timothy, that you are training. Remind them to be careful with the words so that, look, they don't ruin their hearers like, verses 16 through 18, Hymenaeus and Philetus who are sitting in the congregation. They're in the congregation. And the people who've been listening to Hymenaeus and Philetus, they hear what Paul says. You know how Hymenaeus and Philetus have been teaching you that the resurrection has already happened and that Jesus has left behind you members of the church of Ephesus. And those hearers are hearing the warning. I keep listening to these false teachers and I will fall into hell. The people in God's house, the people who are to be made like God, holy like Him, are becoming more and more ungodly as their talk that is unholy is spreading. The Lord knows those who are His. And so He says, I know who they are. Separate yourself from teachers who tell lies. That's why He says in verse 15, Timothy, you better... Present yourself to God a certain way. You need to rightly handle the word of truth. And you will only stand, beloved, if you are standing next to and under the hearing of people who don't just handle the word. Listen. I don't mean they have a Bible on their pulpit. I don't mean that they read some verses. They rightly handle the word of truth. Isaiah in his day, rebuked the liars and the people of Israel. He rebuked them for leading people to put their trust in lies. And then he gave them a promise. Isaiah 28, verse 16. The Lord says, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion. Verse 19 says, A firm foundation stands. And this is what this is coming from. A stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. Or another way to translate that is be put to shame. What God is saying is, I know those who are mine. And I will one day split apart the earth and Sheol will swallow up all those who've been listening to lies. But there is a firm foundation that your faith better be resting on. And that firm foundation, the New Testament says, is the cornerstone of God's house. It is Jesus Himself. That's why in verse 8, look back in chapter 2, verse 8. We'll see this next week. Paul says to Timothy, if you're going to be a faithful teacher, the first thing you must do is remember Jesus Christ. And then verse 14, if you're going to faithfully Train other teachers, you remind them of these things which are about Jesus Christ. Or else everyone who hears you will be swallowed up in hell. Here is a word to Grand Bible Church pastors. Mickey, as you think about the Lord calling you to pastor, all of our teachers, 
God is calling us to be present, to present ourselves to Him and to find ourselves approved. What He longs for is for us to set our hearers on a foundation that is going to stand whenever hell opens its mouth. The only way we will not be put to shame is if we call everyone who hears us to know and love and trust Jesus. Jesus is the point of every passage God ever wrote. There is no sermon you should hear from this pulpit that is ultimately and finally about you. It is not about you. It is not about me. It is not about what we feel like we need to hear, what kind of encouragement we feel like we need. Every sermon is about Jesus because every word God wrote is about the cornerstone. We will actually set people on a foundation that will never split apart. If you're not a teacher, listen. Do you know where Korah got the word, the idea that we're all holy? God said, all of my people are. What I mean is, Korah was opening up his Bible right before God swallowed him up. What I'm saying is, he was reading the words of God. He was surrounded by 250, what kind of men? Chosen, set apart, holy men, well-respected. They were assembling in the name of the Lord. And this passage teaches us that you can go to churches where all of that is being done. They will appear godly. They will even have teaching that sounds godly. And Paul's point could not be more plain. Shale or hell will swallow them up. What burdened that we have discernment? We not take in the presumption. It is possible for God's word to be read and his voice to not be heard. It is possible for God's word to be read and his voice to not be heard. They did not hear the voice of God in Korah's word. The proof that your soul is standing on the cornerstone is that you only should listen to those who rightly handle the Word of God. The Lord uses pure servants to protect His people. The second command comes to us in the next section. The command in the same kind of phrases as we heard in number 16 is flee from unholy character. This is the word that the church in Ephesus would have clearly heard, flee from unholy character. In chapter 2, verses 22 through 26, Paul is equipping the teachers in the Lord's house and he's telling them how it is that you can cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable, how you can be in the cabinets of the Lord and you can be ready for him to pick you up, to be useful to his good works. This is how. And that matters to you because the characters of the leaders of a church greatly impact the church itself. So you are to know what kind of character the Lord uses to do His good 
works. Verse 22, leaders who are useful to the master in good works are those who retreat and retrieve. Retreat and retrieve. Flee youthful passions is the language of retreat. It's of running from a battleground because that battleground is filled with landmines and these youthful passions or sinful desires that are associated especially with youth. They blow leaders up. But leaders are not just to run away, they're to run to. Character cleansing is not just about fleeing a battlefield, it is tracking like a hunter. This is the language of character cleansing and tracking down your prey. But the prey, the thing that, that faithful teachers are really after, is righteousness, faith, love. Peace and they chase these things and will not stop tracking these things until they've retrieved them. Then in verses 23 through 26, Paul says that leaders who are useful to the master of the house cleanse themselves by resisting quarrels. I think this is the definition of what youthful passions really is in verse 22. It's resisting That's how you flee youthful passions because young pastors, young teachers are especially vulnerable to being sucked into what one translation says is not just quarrels but stupid speculations. Stupid speculations. Our youth, we are susceptible to turn what is not clear in God's word and make those things, the most important truths that we teach. Church, you need men of revelation, not men of speculation. You need men of revelation, not men of speculation, who harshly argue. And you find them arguing about things that they actually can't know. And therefore, there are things that they actually shouldn't be talking about at all. I tell people sometimes, if my Bible is closed, then you shut your ears. There's nothing good I have to offer you if it's not in line with God's Word. That's true of every pastor. You don't need a pastor to give you opinions and ideas, speculations, Because they're not in revelation. You need a shepherd, God says, to give you his truth rightly handled and purely preached. And this says, you need leaders who will do that, who will be clean in their character, even while they're in the midst of conflict, even while they're facing opposition. They have a certain kind of character And I would just share with you that over the last year, verses 24 through 26 have probably been used of God to convict me more than any other passage of Scripture. The Lord has used this word to show me how dishonorable my heart is too often. Too often I am not dominated by kindness. This is the truth. Too often I am dominated by disappointment with stupid speculations. 
Too often my heart is dominated by impatience with enduring the evil that all faithful pastors must endure, it says. I'm convicted by the Apostle Paul's heart and the kindness that is filling his heart. Notice where the kindness is directed. Paul, like Moses, is trying to build up the house of God and he's so concerned with false teachers and he's calling them out by name and he's saying, don't listen to them, flee from them. And he's kind and he's gentle toward them. The very people who are tearing down what he's spending his life to build up. Why is he kind? Why is he gentle toward his opponents? Verse 26, because he knows why they are doing the evil that they're doing. Look in verse 26. Paul says that false teachers and all who belong to them, those who listen to them, they have been captured by the devil. They are not in their right mind. They need to come to their senses. They can't even think straight because the devil's drugs have gotten into their veins of their soul and they've been deceived. Paul sympathizes with them. I'm convicted by the words, may perhaps. Be kind. may perhaps fills the heart of Paul for his chorus. The Lord's servants must be this way. And this is what you need in the servants of the Lord in his house. People who are kind to the opponents of God. Because the servant of the Lord in God's house, the capital S servant, was so kind to us. Look at the words. He granted repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. That's salvation to grant us saving faith through repentance. This saving knowledge of the truth, it had to be granted to us. We were caught in a snare. The only way anyone is saved is by God's grant, His gift, His sovereign Goodness being poured out to those who don't deserve it. And I wonder when Paul is saying these words to that church in Ephesus, these words to the church in Ephesus, if they're thinking about that other time in Ephesians 2 when they use these words. And that passage, it is so clear. Paul said, where you were before you were in God's house and how you got into God's house. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says, you had no good works to attract your master. He said, you were dead in your sin. You were carrying out the will of the devil. The same words as our passage. And you had no hope because God's enemies are strangers in God's house. Maybe you're feeling this this morning. You see the holiness of God and know your sin. Listen, Ephesians chapter 2 also said there was a servant who stepped forward and he endured evil. 
the evil of a cross. And he did this so that his blood might atone for the sins of his enemies, so that then he might be raised from the dead, God accepting his sacrifice, so that he might then stand between us and the wrath of God as our Savior and might bring us into a house we have no hope to be in. Gentleness. Gentleness is the key ingredient to repentance. Gentleness in the character of the servants of the Lord is what the master uses to free captives. And so gentleness drove the Lord Jesus to rescue us from Satan's will and to place him in his own home. And he will do that to anyone who turns from their sin and cries out for salvation. You heard earlier that quarreling ruins here. So he says, don't quarrel. If you want to do good works, good work is not ruining hearers, it's rescuing hearers. The Lord uses pure servants to protect His people. Beloved, the reason that you need pastors and teachers that God will actually pick up, this should be filling your page, you should be filling your page with prayer requests, please. You want Leaders that God is going to come to his cabinet and pick up and use for you. The reason why is because Satan has infiltrated the house of God. And he's doing his will and capturing souls in the church and keeping those souls in the snare, in the church, all the way to hell. Well, some say, who have not come to their senses. Well, if Satan's working in the church, I'll skip church. I'll just do this thing with me and Jesus. Your rescue depends on words, not only about the Savior, but words in the house of God that come with the character of the Savior. God uses kind and gentle words to rescue us all. That's what we need. But then third and finally, chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, Paul gives this command that the church of Ephesus would have heard, get away from ungodly company. Get away from ungodly company. The character of a leader's company confirms the quality of his counsel. The character the life qualities of that leader's company or congregation confirms the quality of his teaching. That's why, after listing the character of the people we are to avoid, in verse 6 it says, among them are teachers. And then he compares the kind of character that is produced by false teachers to the kind of character that is produced by Paul in verse 10. You, Timothy, are among me. The the character of a leader's company confirms the quality of his counsel. If you want to know how a teacher's counsel will change you, you look at the, the lives of his hearers. This is... 
Doesn't verses 2 through 5 strike you that this faces, this affects you every day of your life? These are everyday kind of qualities. Verse 4 says, we are to avoid. And verse 5, we are to avoid such people. That means shun. This is God's word. Do not associate with them in the sense that there are truths that are transforming them. Do not associate with them and stand in the same foundation that they're standing in. Get yourself away from them and the truths that have made them ungodly. Verses 2 through 5. Do not keep company with those who deny the power of godliness. I just want, for simplicity's sake, to take this long list, and I want to look at the beginning of the list and the end of the list. And then I want to look at the middle of the list. There are days, the last days are difficult, Paul says. We, don't, don't, don't think of some, don't think end times kind of ideas here. These last days are now. We know that because he says the last days are difficult because there are people who are in your presence now that you need to avoid. They're here. And what makes today as a Christian difficult is, now look at the beginning of verse 2 and the end of verse 4. Some people in God's house, some people in, we have to, not presume some people perhaps in our own church will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. Why this is so difficult is in verse 5. Those lovers of self will appear to be godly. A formal religion. How clear is this in our day? Christian in name, not in power. A clue as to how they got this way is in the middle of verse 3. In the very middle of this list in verse 3. Why is it that they deny the power of godliness? Why is it that these people appear godly, but it's a kind of deception? In the middle of verse 3 is a word that we've already read in, verse, in chapter 2, verse 26. And in chapter 2, it's the word devil. 3, verse 3, it's the word slanderous. That's what he's saying. Do not keep company with them because they are serving a different master. They are like a different master. Don't keep company with them because they're doing a different kind of work. Don't you see how desperately you need truth? They slander. They tell lies. The character of a teacher's congregation confirms the quality of his teaching and whose words they're actually teaching. Separate yourself from them because lies lead to loves. Did you hear all the loves that are ungodly? Lies led to those loves. The power that is at work in them is not the gospel that frees from self-love. It's the kind of power that can only make you love yourself like Satan. Back in chapter 2, we heard unholy talk leads to more and more 
ungodliness. And then we come to verses 2 through 5, a list of more and more ungodliness. And then we're not surprised that among the ungodly of verses 2 through 5 are teachers. Verses 6 through 9, do not keep company with leaders of churches who capture for the captor. Verses 6 through 9, do not keep company with leaders inside churches who capture for the captor. Chapter 2, verse 26, the devil's work is to capture. Chapter 3, verse 6, the false teacher's work is to capture. Because we've been told they've been captured to carry out the devil's will. And so they do the work of their master, not the good works of God. In the house of God. Weak women, burdened with sins, emphasizing how vulnerable their prey is. How devious and wicked their target is. These people who are desperate for mercy, weak women, burdened with sins, and they believe that they're getting mercy. You see that? Verse 7. They believe they're getting mercy because they're always studying. But they're not His. They're not. The Lord knows those who are His. And just because someone goes to Bible study all the time. Verse 7. Always learning. But the truths that they're learning. The truths that they're hearing. It says can never lead them to salvation. To a knowledge of the truth. That actually saves them. Satan has men on the inside of the Lord's house who are deceiving people into thinking that snare that's holding you is your salvation. Verse 8, Paul compares these false teachers in the church to Jan and Jambers. Jan and Jambers, you go back to the plagues in Exodus. These are the magicians who were in Pharaoh's house during while the plagues were going out. Moses and Aaron again are, are pitted against James or Jan and Jambers, and Pharaoh is, is not listening to the word of the Lord. He's listening to Jan and Jambers and seeing if Jan and Jambers can do the very same things. If they can do what Moses and Aaron can do, why would I listen to the Lord? There were two kinds of servants in the house of Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron, Jan and Jambers. They're doing the same work, taking a staff and turning it into a serpent difference between the two kinds of servants was how they were doing the work. If you go back and read this, it will say over and over that Moses and Aaron did these great and powerful works just as the Lord commanded them. And then right after that it says the magicians of Pharaoh did the very same works of power by their secret How church leaders serve makes all the difference. Listen to me. Take care how you build. How a church leader tries to build up the house of the saved makes all the difference. Verse 9, promise, they will not get very far. For a while it will look like they're powerful and they're pastors and there are churches who for a while look fruitful and strong. Lord, may it never be here. There's a certain kind of way we don't want to build. God promises. 
about leaders who are trying to build as fools, using the truth while opposing the truth. He will swallow up swollen ministries because his his desire is so good. He doesn't want to ruin hearers. He doesn't want people to have an appearance of godliness. He wants people who are actually like the best person in all the world. And there's a certain kind of power that makes people like Jesus, and it is in a pure gospel. How we build a church makes all the difference. When it came to gnats, the plagues start falling, and the Jan and Jambers were able to do a few things that Moses and Aaron were able to do with the Word of God. Jan and Jambers used the secret arts to do a few of those things, but when the gnats came, the secret arts prove that they don't have the power that God's Word has. And by the time that God orders boils to fall on Egypt... Those men can't even stand because they've got boils all over. Verse 9, Jan and Jambers did not get very far. Timothy and Grand Bible Church, neither will teachers who oppose the truth in churches today. Do not let them be your companions. They are doing a different work. They have a different source in the way they're doing this, and there's going to be a different outcome for them. Verses 10 through 13, Paul makes it plain to the Ephesians. Timothy belongs to me. Timothy belongs to me. Do you belong to him? That's what he's saying. Church, do not presume that you cannot fall into a snare of deception. Depart from iniquity by departing from deceivers. Don't think that a teacher is good and approved by God because they don't suffer and you like their messages about how the best practices they've learned about how to live a happy life. The apostle that is inspired by God says they are evil. They are posers. They are getting worse. They are deceiving. They are being deceived. They're not suffering because they're nothing like Jesus. All the godly suffer. The Lord Jesus is going to return and He's going to expose all posers and He's going to expose all opposers. He knows who are His. He knows those who are in his house who are actually holy and those who are just imposters. Beloved, look at the company of Jan and Jambers. See them under God's plagues and see their king dead at the Red Sea. When the Lord exposed Korah, Korah, it said over and over, was swallowed up and all who belonged to him were too. The Lord's people belong to the Lord alone but a sign that you belong, that you are His, is you belong to the truth. Timothy has followed my teaching, church in Ephesus. Be wise, Christian. When Jesus appears, you want to be standing on Him, which means you have to be standing with those who reveal Him. You need to believe what we prayed earlier. If I don't have the power of heaven and the word of life, I will die. If I don't have divine power when the word that gives life is opened, I'm going to perish. What teachers and pastors do you belong to? Don't just attend. Belong. Listen to rightly handled truth. Pray for pastors. And 
when necessary, correct us. Because you need power that lies do not have. The Lord uses pure servants to protect his people. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would make this word powerful in our own hearts. Give us this truth, we pray, and build up this, build up this church, your great house, with the holy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.